Hello, you're plugging into the Evolution Sermon Podcast. We're so excited to share with you another awesome message from Pastor Charmaine. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you at church. Okay, so today uh, I want to talk about learning to breathe. Will you turn to your neighbor and say learning to breathe? Okay, so it's going to be an interesting one today because uh, I want to talk about breath. Now, breath is one of those uh, fundamental, universal experiences that all human beings, animals, or any created living thing, right, that we get to share. We come into this world pre-programmed with the ability to do it. No one needs to think about it. You don't have to learn. Without any conscious thought, you and me, we can just breathe. And because we can breathe, we can live. Now, only when for whatever reason we can't breathe, now that is when we suddenly become conscious of our absolute need for it. When you're drowning and suddenly you're gasping for air. When you're sick and your lungs aren't functioning optimally and you're out of breath. Suddenly you lack the oxygen, the fuel that you need for your body to do what it normally does day to day. For exercise, for focus, for your energy. And you will realize also, maybe as you get older and more self-aware, that learning how to breathe well is actually necessary to thrive. Every runner, meditator, yoga doer, Catholic mystic knows breathing helps to take us to a higher, deeper place, mentally, emotionally, intellectually. And when we make the switch from breathing unconsciously to learning to breathe consciously, something begins to change. But here's where we get interesting today, all right? One of the things that our English Bible struggles sometimes to capture is actually the idea of God's Spirit as breath. Now, Jesus does briefly teach it. In John 3.8, He says, God's Spirit... If you look at the footnote in your Bible, it will say, or God's wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It is the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus also sometimes tries to illustrate it. For example, in John 20, 22, it says that Jesus, He breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. But of course, our best experience of it is still our own baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? Which is, well, sometimes pretty similar to what happened on Pentecost. Acts 2.2 says, Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So all these verses here, our New Testament is really trying to describe the third person of our Trinity God whose dramatic personality, the English language, perhaps even the Greek translation of our Bible, sometimes fails to fully capture. You see, do you know there is one singular word for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew? And it's the word ruach. Now, ruach is one word that simultaneously carries the meaning of three English words. Breath, wind, and spirit. Now, but these three words are not just supposed to be, you know, cold, singular definitions that we just slam together, right? No, 
when it comes to the Hebrew language, it's supposed to come with a picture and some poetry and a promise of who God's Spirit is. She is the breath of creation who breathed Zoe, that is life and consciousness, into Adam. She's the rushing wind of vitality that resurrected dry bones in Ezekiel's vision, rebuilding and rejoining Israel into a people again. She is the life-giving spirit who empowers God's people, you and me, you know, from the beginning of time until now, prophets could prophesy, artists could build God's tabernacle, the church today has gifts and capacity to reach out and evangelize, all because of this person whom is called breath, wind, and spirit. Now, besides this, now this is just the elaboration of breath, wind, and spirit of Ruach. But you know, our Bible constantly attaches other words to the Holy Spirit to describe her. For example, Ruach Olam, which means eternal spirit. Ruach Hakodesh, which is how we get Holy Spirit because Hakodesh means holy one. Ruach Hakodesh Kasher Diver, which means spirit of promise. Ruach Hachazon, which means spirit of revelation. Ruach Hemet, truth, Pachuma, wisdom, and Yeshua, the spirit of Jesus. And on and on and on and on. And that's just her names. To say nothing of the other descriptors that Jesus and the apostles use on the Holy Spirit, calling her comforter, guide, advocate, spirit of righteousness, teacher. So, you know, I get why human beings right, find God so hard to believe in and understand because you can't pin God down to one thing. Our God is beyond a single word or even many words. Maybe the easiest way to describe what God would be to call God the Spirit who is everything to us. The breath who created and designed us. The breath who gave us life and consciousness and sustains us. The breath that if we know her and learn to be aware of her and make room for her, we can begin to thrive as God has always intended. I mean, it's an incredible metaphor if you think about it, right? We worship a God who is literally always with us. Every second that you and me breathe in and out, He is in us, with us, and all around us. You know, can you imagine what would happen if we started to live every day aware of that reality of God? And that concludes the message for today. <laughs> So listen, right, we've been talking about rest and Sabbath a lot these past two, three years, right? That we need, that all humanity and creation needs its Sabbath rest. But today I want to break down the idea of rest even more and tell you that besides learning to Sabbath, we all need to learn how to breathe. So I read an article this week on the BBC Work Life and it's titled, Why Workers Won't Stop Quitting. So last year, I think last year, or was it two years ago, cannot remember anymore, right? We discussed the great resignation and the worldwide identity crisis that is happening in our generation, especially millennials, causing you to quit your job, so at least think incessantly about quitting your job. Yes, I'm talking about you. Now look, there isn't anything particularly new in this article that I need to tell you about, okay? 
Basically, in prolonged crisis, people search for more connection and meaning in what we do. You know, and then some of us, having gotten a taste of remote working, we don't want to go back to work. Right? But the one interesting thing that this article did raise that is new is something called turnover contagion. Which is what the author says is prolonging the great resignation and preventing our return to stability. So, the author argues that when colleagues leave the workplace before us, it always ends up meaning more work for those of us that stay. Which causes two things to happen in the culture of our workplace. Number one, people get more frustrated with where we are at because we're doing more work. Now, sometimes we're frustrated legitimately, sometimes not because remember, turnover is a contagion, so is frustration. But secondly, it also puts into our head, if someone else did it before us, maybe we should too. And so we're constantly wondering, should we? Shouldn't we? Now, does this mean you should leave your job? Who knows? Because your situation is different from someone else's situation. Now, does this mean you should stay in a state of over-frustration and angst? Probably not. Now, reevaluating in order to progress is good, but ruminating over and over again, probably not so much. So what is my advice to you this season? Learn to breathe. Not just because you are anxious and need to calm your nervous system down, but because breathing is good for you whether or not you are in a state of flux and uncertainty. We breathe so that we can connect with be aware of, maybe even hear the Holy Spirit's wisdom and leading for our lives. Because this one is interesting, right? This is how Paul, here we go, Paul again. I feel like this season we can't avoid him. Paul describes spiritual maturity in Romans, all right? He says, all who are led by God's Spirit are sons and daughters. Now, the Greek word for sons and daughters here is very specific. Greek word, all right? It's the word for mature adult children, specifically those who have legal rights to inherit. So for Paul, maturity depends on our ability to be led by Ruach. Our ability to be tuned into God's Spirit, God's Spirit who is invisible breath and wind, learning to breathe, learning to align with her, and that is when our breathing becomes our living. So today I'm going to give you five areas we need to learn to breathe in. Is that okay? So that you can be happier, so that you can make better decisions for your future, and so that you can be at peace while you progress, and also at peace if you have to wait. First one, learn to breathe in your doing. So have you noticed, right, guys, this year, how much of our doing has become sort of automatic? It's almost like our automatic, like our coping mechanism for, for year three of the pandemic. Right? We can't just sit around for another year in standstill. So we're all trying to get productive with getting things done as much as we can get done. And that's actually pretty normal because our bodies can't be in fight, flight, or freeze mode perpetually... So we've decided to put what energy we have into some sort of movement. 
have you ever stopped to recognize, right? To recognize how much we actually do this year without ever being present. Right? Our bodies are trying to get back to some sort of rhythm and routine, but our mind is often somewhere else. Right? For myself, right? I've been back on, in the office on Tuesdays and Wednesdays trying to get back into my in-person routine, and I find myself needing to go through my schedule. Last time used to be once a week, now every single day. In order to remind myself what meetings I have coming up the next day or during the week. And literally after checking my schedule, five minutes later, I'm texting someone to double book myself. Because my mind has disappeared. <laughs> you know, I'm also burning my lunch and dinner way more often than I already used to. The poor staff have to suffer the smell of burnt food in the office nearly every week. And sometimes I find myself right from my office going downstairs to do something, going up and down three times because I forgot what I was supposed to do when I reached downstairs. Then I remember I go up and then I come down again and I realize I forgot to bring what I was supposed to bring down. And then I have to go up again. Right, we're moving a lot. But we're not always making progress. Now all the A-type personalities here, be a little compassionate on yourself, alright? But I will tell you that taking moments throughout your day to breathe is really going to help. Because breathing is what allows us to be present. Right? For me, breathing and sometimes saying what seems like a really arbitrary prayer like, Holy Spirit, help me to be here. Help me to focus on the task at hand. Help me to enjoy what I'm doing. It helps to center me. It calms me. It helps to bring my energy into the present moment. It helps me to be effective with whatever I'm doing so that I'm not wastefully automatic. So that I can remember that what I do is important or that something I have been doing on autopilot is not something I need to be loyal to anymore. That I can make conscious choices about where and what I want to spend my energy on moving forward. And let me tell you, when you learn to breathe, when you learn to pray through your doing during the day, you'll be surprised how little changes can make huge changes down the line. You see, there have been so many moments these past few months where because I choose to take a breath so that God can help me think, that I suddenly go, wait, 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 why are we doing this thing this way? And I will text one of the leaders in the team and go, do you remember when we started doing this and why? And we go, we'll go, hmm, I think we can throw that out. And I think there's a better way, a cheaper way forward. You see, every time we make these little changes, we get to enjoy what we're doing right now a little bit more. And we get to stop doing or change what is no longer serving us. And every time we make these great choices, we start to reconnect with ourselves more and make room to connect with others and the vision that we share together more. So my question to you is, what have you been caught up with doing? And can you breathe so that you can be present to enjoy it more? Can you breathe so that you can reconnect with yourself and with others? next to you more. You know, it's funny, right? The thing that we hated most about being forced to work from home three years ago was not being able to enjoy the company of our friends and colleagues. But now, 
we're back in person and I'm surprised how little we are taking the time to enjoy and appreciate the time we do have with people. I mean, we're here, but we're not 100% here. Listen to me, don't waste your life doing while never being present to enjoy what really matters. When you're here, be here. When you're there, be there. When you're with God, be with God. You know, sometimes God, you know, God in some sense is like the easiest person in the world to be with. Because He is always with us and He is everywhere. <laughs> Learn to be present with Him. Learn to be present in your own life. Learn to breathe while you're doing your life. Second, are you ready? Learn to breathe when it comes to your design. You see, I know that I am standing before a group of people full of incredible, diverse human ability and potential. You guys are so super talented. You are so super capable. You have many gifts, beautiful personalities, awesome qualities. You know, you are compassionate, empathetic, creative people. And I know so many of you have dreams of using how God designed you to make an impact on the world around you. But can I tell you, even successful, driven, social justice concerned people like yourself need a Sabbath from your design in order to keep going. And even on days when it's not a sabbatical or a Sabbath, even on your regular days, our gifts and our design needs room to breathe in order to live. I mean, let's just go back to the example of our Creator God, right? Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So in case you haven't heard me talk about this recently, there is a theory among theologians called the gap theory. Now, in a nutshell, many theologians, because of the way the text is written in these verses in the Hebrew, they actually believe that there was a great pause between verse 1 and verse 2. That in the beginning, God created the universe, the heavens and the earth, and then something happened. An unknown period of time passed where the earth fell into disorder and darkness. But during that time, the Bible tells us the Spirit of God, Ruach, breath and wind, hovered over this wilderness, this mess, as an invisible force blowing and incubating. And when she had finally decided what she was going to create, then God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Now, what does that story tell us about our Creator God? That even though the Holy Spirit, by her very nature, she is creative. You know, we worship a God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who creates through His Word. That even He, she, them needed to pause. To be silent. To breathe in their creating. So in my imagination, right, of this creation myth, I imagine millions, maybe billions of years existed in that one pause. And the Holy Spirit was just there taking a sabbatical thinking, moving, but not explicitly doing anything. And then, suddenly she decided, here we go. And for six days, God kept speaking and doing and creating. 
But then even on the seventh day, God paused again to catch His breath. See, we are made in the image of a God who Sabbaths and breathes. And here's another gem about how God made human beings in the story in Genesis, all right? With all the rest of creation, He speaks, possibly works with His hands, intellect in order to create, molding creatures, setting up the cycles, you know, programming the times and seasons, putting them into motion, right? But with us, Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And what did He do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So God stopped in the middle of all his doing and designing to breathe into us. And that simple action is what sets human beings apart from the rest of all creation. The message by Eugene Peterson writes it like this. He says, God's breath made us into a living soul. Woo. The greatest designer in the world made time to breathe. His crowning achievement, the greatest work of design, us, happened because he breathed. So listen, I know so many of us are such in a hurry to get back to our design. Listen, three years is a really hard, long period to put your dreams on hold. You want to get into a space, an opportunity, a job where you can just do what you were made to do so that you can make your mark on this world. But don't let hurry rob you of your breathing. That is not how you were designed to design your best. You see, even the Creator needed a gap year. Even while he was creating this amazing wonder of a universe we now live in, he paused on the Sabbath day to do what? To walk in the park with us. See, breathing allows us to recharge, to do more of what fulfills us, to bring innovation and creativity to what we are good at, to enjoy and share with others who we are and what we are capable of. So for me personally, I have a very simple principle when it comes to being a creative. I believe that art is never its most beautiful form unless it can be shared. And I think this applies to human potential, to success, your gifts and abilities. It is never at its best unless it can be shared. See, breathing, being connected to the Holy Spirit, following His example, her example, is what allows us to make the best of who we are in our design. I dare say it helps us to focus on what matters. It makes our design matter because it makes what we do worthy. You know, it, it, it attaches value and heart behind it. Listen, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made, loved and valued and treasured by God, but it is up to us to make our design worthy. And we can't do that well if we're always running the rat race. Always running after the wrong pursuits, looking left and right, being pressured by comparing ourselves to others. We can only live into our design if we breathe. And remember that who we are in God and how he calls us to live lives worthy of our design. So listen, this season, even after three years, it is okay to Sabbath from what you are good at. 
It is okay to slow down so you can breathe and ask yourself whether you are aligned with your values. Which brings me to my next, the third point, all right? We need to learn to breathe so we can find our desires. You see, again, part of living aligned with our design is about being aligned with our values and our priorities. You are more than just the sum of your capabilities. In fact, more than that, it is your values and priorities that make your design holy. You see, in this world, right, there are many great people. Rich, successful, popular, famous, but very few truly extraordinarily good people. You see, whatever job you are in, whatever career path you have chosen, are you an extraordinarily good person? Right? Every human being has desires. But very few of us are good at leading into the best of our desires. I mean, it's the age-old story, right? Remember, even Jesus had to confront bad desires before he goes into flourishing in his ministry. It is calling, right? So the story goes like this. He gets baptized and then the Holy Spirit, here the word is Ruach HaKodesh, leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, when you stop for a moment and look at the contrast that the, the gospel writer of Luke makes, he says here, Jesus returned from the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward, Jesus was starving. So here's the contrast. Physically, Jesus was empty. But spiritually, the Bible says he was full of the Spirit, the God who is breath and life. And then what happened? What did the devil use to tempt him? The devil came at him with the traditional way of talking about it is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Simply put, desires that were misaligned. Right? Nothing wrong with eating. Nothing wrong with wanting to be successful. Nothing wrong with wanting to take pride in what you do. But something about the devil's version was misaligned. And really, that's all lust really is, guys. That's all sin really is. Desires that are misaligned, not in line with God's values. Desires that are not aligned with the good human being he designed you to be. But notice what gave Jesus the ability to overcome those misaligned desires. It was not a full stomach. It was not enough sleep. It was being full of the Spirit. So listen, I'm all for self-care, right? Being aware of what causes our lesser nature to emerge. I'm all for being compassionate on myself and others for moments when we are hangry or tangry. But it seems to me that our goal should be to live increasingly into a great attitude that isn't dependent on hunger or tiredness or feelings. I mean, it's weird, right? We all hate it when people at work behave badly. At school, too. But sometimes we don't care as much as when, when you know, when we do it, other people, it's okay. <laughs> you know, the other thing that I've noticed recently, right, even this pandemic too, and let me just sidetrack a little bit, it seems to me that privileged people get more passes on their bad behavior, but people without privilege, our foreign workers, don't get the same free pass. 
I digress. My point was actually right. Then I want us to be as much as like Jesus as possible. For our desires to be aligned with Jesus' desires. To be able to lean into the best of my desires even under great pressure. And from what I can see in this passage, Jesus' power came from his breath. Being full of the breath of life that is the Spirit of God. Now, Matthew's version of this same story, Matthew tells us Jesus was deliberately actually fasting. Luke doesn't say that, but Matthew does. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. You see, what is fasting? People always ask me, like, what is fasting? Why do we do it? You know, what for? Right? Shouldn't, shouldn't a full stomach help me to concentrate on God more, right? You see, this is what fasting is, okay? Fasting is the emptying of our reliance on fleshly things. It is a shifting of our reliance on those things to reliance on God's Spirit in order to be empowered. To be empowered to align with the right desires. So, listen, we don't fast to make God bless us. We fast to be aligned with His values. Now, in case you still don't catch it, right, ask yourself, right, what is going on in your process when you do our six-week social media fast? Right? What are we doing? We are emptying ourselves of our dopamine addiction in our brain. We are emptying ourselves of the constant habit of waking up and comparing ourselves to other people. Right? If they look worse, we feel better. If they look better, we feel worse. Right? We're trying to stop relying on superficial arrogance and insecurity to make us feel better. We're stripping away the external noise of misaligned desires so that you can hear a deeper kind of assurance that comes only from God. You know, what happens when you do the 21-day food fast? You empty yourself of the things that you normally rely on to get by, food, drink, and you put yourself in a position where you have to rely on God's Spirit. And so in that 21-day period when you pray, again, you separate yourself from worldly desires and you bring yourself back to substantial desires that God has already put on the inside of you. And what sorts of prayer practices does our church tend to do when we go into fasting seasons as a community? We breathe. We breathe in order to connect with the Holy Spirit. We breathe in order to silence the noise so that we can hear her guidance. We breathe in her presence so that she can rewire our heart to be reconnected to the values and priorities that we're supposed to have so that we can start to live for God. Right? So take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. I know that was slightly painful, but... Now that you breathe, you absorb what I'm saying better. Desires. Next one, number four, we need to learn how to breathe through our desperation. Whatever struggle you are facing, whatever lack or disappointment you have been feeling for a long, long time, don't ever let desperation control you. Instead, learn to breathe through it. So we all know this by now, one of the most important skills Navy SEALs or any elite force must master, master is how to breathe. 
Now, we've been doing a version of box breathing in our contemplative practices, right? But really, do you know breathing is crucial to nearly every aspect of being a Navy SEAL in that high-stress job? They have to learn to breathe correctly to make effective airborne maneuvers. They have to learn to breathe correctly underwater in order to make the least amount of bubbles so the enemy cannot spot them. They have to learn to breathe in order to fire a gun accurately. Because if you breathe wrongly, they have to learn how to breathe in order to think under extreme pressure. You see, for Navy SEALs, the skill with which they breathe can determine whether they live or die in a battle situation. So do you know that besides box breathing, all Navy SEALs are trained in something called tactical breathing, which is a really simple technique they have to master, use, which they use to maintain a relaxed state and prevent fight or flight mode in their body. So we're going to try this together, all right? So sit up. Of you like, yeah, tactical breathing is so simple. Are you hearing me? Sit up. Okay, put your right or left hand on your abdomen. And you're going to start by exhaling all the air inside of you really heavily, all right? So, now, you're going to slowly draw your breath up from your abdomen to your upper chest, but inhaling through your nostrils, okay? Now, imagine the breath going in through your abdomen, coming up to your chest. Now, don't overthink it. Just in through your abdomen, into your chest, through your nostrils, okay? Ready? Now. Breathe in. And then when you exhale, you're going to take the breath out from your lungs out through your abdomen. Got it? We try one more time, right? In. Then imagine it going down your spine, out. One more time, in. Out. Tricky, right? Getting the hang of it. Now, what you're going to do one last time is this time you're going to exhale twice as long as you inhale. Okay, so inhale. Exhale. You need to do it one more time. Try it one more time. Inhale. Exhale. Now, what should happen if you're not already feeling it is your nervous system calming down. Now, look, the simple idea behind tactical breathing is this. When we stop breathing, we stop thinking. And that is what happens to us when we are in a state of desperation about anything. Whether it's your design, whether it's your desires, whether it's your dreams, whether it's school, whether it's career... You know, reflect on your life and you'll know this to be true. Whenever we are desperate, we rarely are ever thinking straight. We start to make bad decisions about our integrity, our opportunities, our relationships. Because desperation always hinders our ability to make good choices. And it always, always hinders our ability to hear God's voice. Right? We all have certain triggers, certain areas certain seasons of our life where we are desperate. Listen, don't rob yourself of good choices by forgetting to breathe. By forgetting to slow down and be with God and hear His voice. In fact, when you're in the most desperate of situations, those are the times where you need to be breathing the most. 
not necessarily doing the most. So I think you have something in your mind right now, right? Something that comes to your mind that you've been desperately holding on to. Let's breathe in. Then on the exhale, let it go. Listen, do whatever it takes to listen to the Holy Spirit. To obey whatever she speaks to you. Now, and if it happens to be a season where God doesn't want to say anything, then just breathe and stay in God's presence. Because in our desperation, listen, God's Spirit is the safest place you can be. She's your comforter. And at the right time, she will speak and also be your guide. Learn to breathe through your desperation. And finally, number five, here we go. Learn to breathe through your discontent. So I want to go back to the BBC article I began with, right? Because it captures the root problem of this crisis we are in, right? Because more than just having a turnover contagion going on in this world, I think we're also suffering from something called the contagion of discontent. And until we start to administer a counterculture to discontent, listen, all of us will continue to suffer in our communal frustration and angst. Your office will not become a better place to work. Your next office will not be a better place to work. You see, discontent will not only poison the environment you are in, it will continue to poison your ability to progress with your life. Because the problem with discontent is not only does it divide us from our best self, it also divides us from each other. Right, because the issue with discontent is everyone thinks they are the wrong party. No one wants to take initiative and the responsibility to build a better culture. This is happening to me. All the problems at work are happening to me. But who wants to change anything? No one. Everyone wants to complain and criticize, but nobody wants to be the compassion they wish everyone else would show them. <laughs> now listen, there's something beautiful about the picture of God's Spirit as breath. And that is, the act of breathing connects us to every other human being and every other living thing. I mean, think about it, right? How wondrous and also how challenging of a picture is that? That God's name, rather than dividing us from each other, brings us all together. Every human being grieves. Every living thing, animals, plants, microorganisms, we all breathe. God's Spirit is therefore not owned by any one particular person or one particular religion or one particular community. Now, yes, there are parts of God that is particular. Jesus was a very particular being. But He is also universal. And in some ways, God is universally known to everyone and everything. Because His breath connects everyone and everything. Even the boss that you are frustrated with. Even the peers that you want to strangle. 
and the classmates who suck. But what makes you unique is you are aware that you are filled with God's Spirit. By giving Jesus your heart, you became a willing participant in what the Holy Spirit does in this world. And she leads us to connect, not disconnect. She leads us to bring people together, not divide. So, have you been led by the Holy Spirit at your workplace? In your school? In your CG? In your ministry? In this community? In your relationship to foreign workers in Singapore? What can you do to heal instead of divide? To progress instead of just express? Now listen guys, we all need to express ourselves. It is a human need. Right? Expressing ourselves brings relief to the things we struggle with, to our desires, to our desperation. We all need to express ourselves. But we need to express ourselves in a way that respects who God made us to be and respects other people. So listen, be the connector in the spaces God has put you in, not the disconnector. Be the person who chooses to look at things not just from your perspective, but from another person's perspective too. While the world is divided, be the breath that brings people together. Because listen, the Holy Spirit's name, she teaches us to live a better way. To know that God is present in our lives, present in our relationship, and present in our communities. We've got to learn to breathe through our division and our discontent. So I'm going to round out now, all right? So in case I've been too philosophical today, and you don't know what to do with just, you know, what I just said today, you know, well, I mean, PC, what do you mean? You know, do I, you know, what, what am I supposed to do now? Connect to God, connect with God, and connect with people better? Am I just supposed to breathe? Well, yes. But instead of just breathing to live physically, what I'm asking you to do is breathe to live spiritually. Learn to use your breath as your prayer. Use it to be present with God so that you can be present in your life and present with other people. But also, here's what's, one last thought I want to give you before the muses lead us into worship, is that all right? And I'm going to try my very best to make this simple, okay? Now, how do you know the Hebrew word hallelujah? Everyone say hallelujah. So all the new Christians here, it is the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. Okay, hallelujah basically means praise the Lord. Hallelujah means praise. And Yah is the short form for God's name, Yahweh. So hallelujah literally means praise Yah. Alright? Now, 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 let me be very clear. Yeah, it's not the same as, you know, my name is Charmaine, so the short form of my name is Shah. Not the same thing, all right? So how, he, you know, how rabbis came up with Yah as God's short form is that, you see, Jews believe God's full name, which is spelled Yahweh, Y-A-H-W-E-H, is too holy to be written or spoken out loud. Okay, so what they do in the written form is they take out the vowels and they spell it Y-H-W-H. -H. 
And the thing about YHWH is that all these four letters of God's name are soft consonants. So if you were to say YHWH out loud, the sound that emerges is just like that of taking a breath. Hence, hallelujah. So it's not just the Holy Spirit's name that is a breath. There's something about our one, true God, Yahweh, whose the sound of His name is also a breath. And so in this way, praise is a way we can breathe. To connect with God in our doing, in our design, in our desires, in our desperation, even discontent. Because when we praise, we align with God. We align with ourselves. We align with the people and the world around us. So I want to say this to you. Treasure the times we get to come together to praise and worship God. To praise and worship, to pray, because our praise and worship is our breathing. And in your personal life, when you go home today, learn to stop every single day to breathe in and be filled with the Holy Spirit who is everywhere. Learn to pause, learn to Sabbath, learn to breathe in God's presence in person. 